Bethany. My name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be with you online. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be reading from John chapter 1, verse 6 through 13, as we continue in our Christmas series called Chasing Hope. Last week, Pastor Jared was able to remind us in verse 1, verses 1 through 5, that Jesus is our one and only hope because he is God, because he is the source of life, and because he is the victorious light. This big truth that before anything was created, Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. So follow with me in John 1, verses 6 through 13 as we begin today. It says this, starting in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He, Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Will you pray with me? Lord, uh, this Christmas season, we are in need of hope. 2020, Lord, we are in need of hope. Maybe we're feeling that need for hope with our finances. Lord, maybe we're feeling that need with our relationships, with our marriage, with our children, or maybe at work. Maybe we just need hope for the future. We need unity, Lord. Hope for unity. Hope for those that are sick. Lord, we look to you today as our one and only hope. Thank you so much that you understand how we feel. Thank you so much that you know our ultimate need is found in you. So, Lord, we love you. We look today to your son, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we pray, Lord, that you will just uh, do what you do best. Lord, uh, draw near to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Every December and January, I smile how beautiful the weather is here in Orange County. I mean, Orange County is one of those places, one of those few places that you can snowboard and surf in the same day. I mean, the weather here is nearly perfect. The temperatures typically vary from 45 degrees to 85 degrees, and it rarely gets below 38 or above 93 degrees. A few days ago, in December here, it was 85 degrees. Can you believe that? How cool it is to live in such a wonderful area with wonderful weather. I remember a few years ago, it was, it was summertime, and it was another 85-degree day here in Southern California, and I was at the beach with my, with my buddy Nathan. Nathan and I were both youth pastors. He was a junior high pastor. I was a high school pastor. And during the summer, as youth pastors, we spent every Monday at the beach with our students. That's right. Part of our job was going to the beach. How cool is that? It was one of the best parts of being a youth pastor. Whenever someone was to brag and say, my job is so cool, I, I, I would ask them, have you ever got paid to go to the beach? The answer is probably always no. And I remember one Monday, we were at the beach like we always were. We, we showed up to the sand. We, we threw down our chairs and our towels and a frisbee and a surfboard, and we waited in the sand for students to arrive. Within the next hour, students started arriving, and the beach was packed. 
we were just hanging out, enjoying the water and the weather and the summertime, when all of a sudden there was this woman that yelled out. She was screaming. She yelled out for her lost daughter. And no one was really paying attention because everybody was doing their own thing. So my buddy Nathan and I, we ran over and we asked how we could help. And she told us that her five-year-old daughter was missing and she was last seen playing near the water. So immediately your mind goes to the worst. For me, I I said, I'll help. And Nathan, he was going to help. I ran straight towards the water and I started running waist high in the water searching for this little girl. My buddy Nathan saw that I was going towards the water and so he started combing the shore filled with endless amounts of people trying to find this girl. And it was almost probably like five to seven minutes, but we were frantically searching, and it felt like almost an hour. And there was no sign of this little precious girl. And with more and more people coming to the beach, it was increasingly difficult to see what was going on. Then, with great joy, as I was with the mother and we were looking together, I saw my buddy Nathan walking towards us, holding this little girl's hand. Apparently, this little girl trying to find her mom and her family wandered 90 yards down the beach. And the mom, like any mom, grabbed her daughter and held her close. My buddy Nathan and I were watching. It was a very emotional experience. The mom dropped to her knees. She grabbed her daughter. She brought her in close. And she said, you're okay. I love you. I'm here. For this mom, nothing else mattered. And I remember thinking in that moment, as I, as I stood there, that this is a small picture of God's heart towards us, that he will do anything to get back the ones that he created, the ones that he loved. He will do anything to save us from danger for us to be held in his arms. How far would God go to save us? Well, every December, the world is reminded how far God was willing to go to rescue his creation, the ones who wandered away. He was willing to send his son Jesus, to be born as a baby for one reason, and that was to live a life and to die so that we would be reconciled back to God himself. Today's message is called Chasing, Chased by the Light. Chased by the Light. We're going to take a look how God chases after and pursues us. No matter how old we are or young we are, whether we acknowledge God or we don't, God is pursuing us through his creation, through his people, through his word. He wants us to know his love each and every moment of the day. And so in the, te- in the text, we'll take a look at three things. We're going to take a look at three things. God chases after and pursues us. First, to be a witness to his life. We'll take a look at John the Baptist, the man John the Baptist. God chases and pursues us. This is the second point. And he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus born into the world to give true light to the world. We'll kind of focus in on Jesus becoming human. And third, God chases after and pursues us by offering an invitation for us to join the life of Christ. We're going to be taking a look at the gospel message. What does it mean to believe, to receive, and to become a child of God? So first, God chases after and pursues us to be witnesses to his life. In John chapter 1, after five verses, the, uh, the apostle John tells us that Jesus is God and the source of life, and then all of a sudden he focuses on the man, John the Baptist. Follow with me in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, through John. 
He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So why does John, the author, write about John the Baptist here? At first glance, this seems kind of odd. It seems misplaced. What is John trying to communicate? One reason that the author mentions John the Baptist here is to show us how we, those in God's family, are called to be witnesses to Jesus' life. And so how do we do that? We do that by making much of Jesus in all areas of our life, having the gospel transform us on a regular basis. This idea that God, through his son Jesus, Jesus, the word, the light, the life, desires those who have Jesus, who have the light, to share in his life, to shine his love to a world in dire need of him. What can we learn from John the Baptist, or as some people call John the Witness? Who was John the Baptist? Later in chapter 1 and other parts of the Gospels, um, it tells us things about John. John was a forerunner. John the Baptist was a forerunner of Christ. He was the first prophet called by God since Malachi some 400 years earlier. He was foretold 700 years previously by the prophet Isaiah. His birth was foretold by an angel sent from God, and he was six months Uh, He was born six months prior to the birth of Christ. John the Baptist grew up and lived in a rugged, he lived a rugged life in the mountains, um, the mountain areas of Judea, between the city of Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. He dressed like an Old Testament prophet, wearing clothes made of camel's hair and a leather belt, belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. His baptism was a baptism of repentance, preparing the way for Jesus' appearance. The man spoke with authority, saying things like, Behold the Lamb of God who takes takes away the sins of the world. He says things like, I am not the Christ. He says, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, making straight the way of the Lord. He says things like, He, Jesus, must increase, and I must decrease. The message of John the Baptist, John the Witness, was simple and straightforward. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John lived a simple life focused on the kingdom of God that was brought near in Christ. He grew in popularity, and people would come to, them to, to, come to him to confess their sins and to be baptized. And to be honest, I was a little scared of John the Baptist growing up. He was so intense, and he was so strange. Bear Grylls, the TV show survival guy, once said, Growing up, I always wanted to either be Robin Hood or John the Baptist. I mean, what a fascinating man. John the Baptist was wild. The life of John the Baptist is a reminder to us of the life of devotion to Jesus, to be sold out for Jesus. And then when we fail, that we look to Jesus, who takes away our sin, our guilt, our suffering, and he changes everything. John was one voice proclaiming the coming Messiah, and God chose him to be the herald of great news, the arrival of Jesus, the Savior, and the light of the world. I love this part of the Bible because John knew that once Jesus appears on the scene, that everything would change. In the text today, we see differences between John the Baptist and Jesus. Jesus is the word that existed from all eternity. Well, John is just born just like any normal man. Jesus himself is God. John was sent from God. Jesus is the true light. John came to bear witness about the true light. Jesus is the object of trust. John is a witness to Jesus, the true 
light. And there are several lessons here that we can learn from the life of John the Baptist. His wholehearted devotion to Jesus, his fearlessness, his lack of fashion. And there are several things that we can learn, but what's really important for John the Baptist is he boldly shares the message of Jesus to all that would listen. He lived a life focused on introducing others to Jesus. He was a witness to the life of Christ. And yes, he had a unique, one-of-a-kind ministry, yet we too are called to be witnesses to the life of Christ, teaching ourselves and others the wonderful gospel every day and in every season. A friend of mine a while back was just talking about, he said, hey, hey Joe, a lot of us talk about the lost as Christians, but we don't talk to the lost. We talk about the lost, but we don't talk to the lost. And 2020 has been a difficult time to share the gospel. And it's been a difficult time to hear the gospel. How do we do this with lockdown? How do we do this with so much division? Maybe we're trying to care for a growing family or take care of an elderly parent. And may I suggest just a few things that might help us be a witness to the life of Christ. I, think it belie- I believe that it starts with, with prayer. Prayer and asking God for help, for boldness. Not complicating things, keeping the main thing the main thing. Jesus sent to us to forgive us of our sins. It's as simple as learning other people's stories, asking thoughtful questions about their lives, and sharing your story when you're able. Recognizing that God is with you. Be available, be teachable. Maybe it's just waking up every day and reminding yourself, Lord, I need you. Please use me. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary who was killed in the jungles of Ecuador, wrote about this, about him being a witness. It's kind of like a prayer. He writes this, Father, make of me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. That's how John... John Eliot sounds a lot like uh, John the Baptist. But who was who the John the Baptist in, in your life? Who was the person? Maybe it was a, a pastor, a friend, a family member, a, a neighbor, an author. Who was that person that first pointed you to Jesus? Now, you are blessed to have that person if someone has pointed you to Christ and you came to faith in him. But ultimately, it was God chasing after you and pursuing you. And so the first thing we, we took a look at here is God chases after and pursues us to be a witness to his life, to the life of Christ. Second, God chases after, pursues, and loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus, born into the world, to give true light to the world in darkness. Follow with me in verse 8. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Jesus came into the world. It's often described as the incarnation, God in a bod, God in a body. Jesus was born, God with us. Jesus took on human flesh and dwelt among us. So what happened during Jesus' birth? God taking on human flesh, this, this truth causes many of, many of us to scratch our head in confusion. But before we take a look at Jesus coming into the world and becoming human, 
I believe that it's helpful for us to take a look at our Trinitarian God, for us to learn new things or for us to be reminded of the beauty of our great God. So let's take a look at the Trinity. The Bible teaches that God is one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God is one God. And he is also, God is three persons. The Trinity, the triunity of God. We have one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God eternally exists in three persons. And these three persons are completely equal in attributes and have the same divine nature. That's why we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And while each person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is fully and completely God, the persons are not identical. How can that be? For example, the Father and the Spirit did not die on the cross, but the Son did. The Father and the Son sent the Spirit. One of the best examples of this, of them not necessarily being identical, is is Jesus' baptism, where all three persons of the Trinity are present, and yet each one is doing something different. Matthew 3, 16 through 17 says this, After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and the heavens suddenly opened for him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And then he heard a voice from heaven, the Father, saying this, This is my beloved Son, I delight in him. And so we see the son being baptized. The spirit is descending down on Jesus and the father is speaking. The three persons of the Trinity here in this text share the same divine nature yet are different in role and relationship. Maybe it's helpful to think what the Trinity is not. The Trinity is not three different gods. The Trinity is not three different gods. The the Trinity is not just God as one person. The Trinity is not God changing forms. For example, God created in the beginning, and he was Father, and then he came as the Son, as Savior 2,000 years ago, and then with the Holy Spirit is there during the church age. He didn't just change forms. The Trinity is not a pie that's split into three pieces. The Trinity is one God existing in three persons. We have one God, one what? God, three persons, three who's, Father, Son, and Spirit. And if it's difficult to understand, that's okay. Let's keep learning. Fred Sanders says this, the gospel is Trinitarian and the Trinity is the gospel. Christian salvation comes from the Trinity, happens through the Trinity, and brings us home to the Trinity. Now that we did a little crash course on the deep things of God, let's continue in verse, in verse 9 as we focus in on Jesus' birth and him taking up human flesh and entering the world. Verse 9 says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then in verse 10, he said, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Later on in verse 14, it says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. So let's focus in on Jesus' birth. Let's focus in on Jesus' incarnation, deity and humanity in one person, Jesus Christ. And so we have God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, taking on human flesh. Luke 2.11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The incarnation can be defined as the act of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, taking upon 
himself a human nature. And so the Bible teaches the full deity and the full humanity of Christ. And how do we remember this? Well, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He's not half and half. Jesus is fully and completely 100% God and fully and completely 100% human. Two full hundred percents. Jesus is God that took upon himself humanity. What does that look like? Well, Jesus had a human birth and a human body. He experienced the same things we do, growing, learning, hunger, thirst, temptation, tiredness, and even death. After Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus continues to have a physical body. And one day we will see Jesus face to face. Jesus is one person with both a divine and human nature. 100% God, 100% man. So what happened when Jesus entered the world in human form? I mean, we celebrate this in Christmas. Maybe it's good for us to, to really take a look, and I know it's a lot of theology here, but when Jesus entered the world in human form, his divine nature didn't change. He didn't cease to be God. On top of that, a human nature was added to him. Fully God, fully man, one person, two natures. The best way I can put it is this. Before Jesus enters the world, the Son of God was one person with one nature. He was one person, how we studied last week. He was the Word. He was one person and one nature. That is the nature of God. When Jesus entered the world, Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, fully God, he added to himself a human nature. And therefore, we have Jesus, still one person, with two distinct natures, a human nature, him taking flesh, and a divine nature, the nature that he always had. Jesus' divine, divine nature and human nature are distinct, yet united in one person. As I was working through it this week, I was just thinking, hey, if we still have questions about it, go talk to Pastor Jared. <laughs> but the big truth is this. When Jesus took on flesh, he gained human attributes, but he did not give up his divine attributes. When he took on human flesh, he gained human attributes, but he did not give up divine attributes. His divine nature was limited, but it wasn't lost. Here's an example of me playing basketball with my kids, and we have that little Fisher-Price basketball hoop, the really colorful one, you might have seen it. When we play basketball, I let them score on me. I let them dunk and shoot baskets and and my ability is, is limited because I allow it to be limited, but it's not lost. I'm still six foot two, and I can dominate my kids in basketball. In the same way, when Jesus took on flesh, he gained a human attributes, but did not give up his divine attributes. He is still God, 100% God, 100% man. So why do we talk about, why does, why does this matter? Why do we talk about Jesus taking on human flesh, being born on earth? Why? And there's lots of reasons, but one is this, found in John 1, 18. It says this, no one has seen God, but Jesus has made him known. One of the reasons we talk about this is because now Jesus, who is God, can be fully known. And next week, Jesus, Jared's going to talk about Jesus and how we have seen his glory. God sent his son so that we may know him and be with him. God also sent his son, Jesus, into the world to give us a picture of what true light is. Follow with me in verse 9. 
true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. John talks a lot about light. What is light? Light is the, light is the life of Christ. And what is darkness? Darkness is the spiritual condition of one's life apart from the life of Christ. John 3, 19 through 21 says this, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. John often describes darkness as, as a, a way to describe people. In verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. They didn't know Jesus because they were in darkness. Spiritual separation, spiritual death, spiritual blindness, the creation didn't know the creator. And so we focused in on how God chases after us and pursues us to be a witness to the life of Christ. Second, God chases after and pursues us and loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus born into the world to give true light to a world in darkness. And the last thing we want to talk about is God chases after and pursues us by offering us an invitation to join the life of Christ. Verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1.12 lays out the gospel message, the simple gospel message. And it can be broken down into three words. Believe, receive, and become. Believe in Jesus. What does it mean to believe in Jesus. It means to trust Jesus with your life and to join his. A few weeks ago, I was cleaning out the attic here at the church, and there's a ladder attached to the attic, and I was bringing down all this Christmas stuff to kind of set up, especially for today. We're doing a, a fun Christmas gathering here at the church. And uh, I, I slipped from this ladder. The ladder gave way, and I fell over six feet, and I landed in the old church baptismal. So the first thing I experienced was, was sheer pain, and then later on, I laughed about it because it was kind of funny. And uh, it was like one of those moments when you fall and you think you broke something or you think you're bleeding and you kind of like, you're like, I, I'm okay, I'm okay. But imagine for a second if I fell here at the church and landed in the baptismal and I just snapped my leg. And I didn't know what to do. And so I, I rushed to the doctor. I go into uh, urgent care and I say, doctor, here's my leg. It's, it's, just, it's a mess. I believe in you. I trust you with my broken leg. I can't fix this on my own. You're the only hope that I have in making sure this thing works properly. Popsicle sticks at home and toilet paper won't do the trick. In the same way, when we say we believe in Jesus, we come to Jesus. and We believe in him. We trust in him, not just with our broken leg, but we trust in him with all of our brokenness. We trust in him with all of our life that he is the only way, that he is the great physician that is going to heal us. Believing in Jesus is trusting in him with our life. This verse also talks about he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. To believe, to receive, 
Jesus was rejected, but he wants people to receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, that is to believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So what does it mean to receive Jesus? To receive Jesus is to believe or trust in Jesus. What does it mean to trust in Jesus? It means to receive him. These work together, belief and receiving Christ work together to trust him with our lives and to join his life. Believe, receive, don't reject, but receive Christ and believe and trust in him. It becomes a beautiful result here in the text that we see. Becoming a child of God. Believe, receive, become. Become a child of God. You have a new status when you believe and receive Christ, a new position, a new family. You are now a child of God, and God desires nobody to perish, but for all to come to him to join the family of God. And I've, and I've heard this in the past with different students and different, different people, and I've wrestled through this myself growing up in the church. Like, how do I know that I'm really saved? How do I know that I believed and I received and I became a child of God? And while God only knows our hearts, let me give us five questions for us to think through. Five questions to kind of summarize the gospel and, get, and focus us in on Jesus. The first is this. Do you believe that you're sinful? Have you admitted your sin and, and turned from that? Before we understand anything of the good news of Jesus, being born, living, dying, rising from the dead, and giving us new life, before we learn about the good news, we have to learn about the bad. Do you believe that you're sinful? Do you have a sin problem? The second is this. Do you believe that you're sinful and then do you believe that your sin separates you from the holy God? That there's this spiritual separation, this spiritual divorce that we have from God and that Jesus came to bridge that gap. Do you believe that you're sinful? Do you believe that your sin separates you from the holy God? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 6, Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that you're sinful and your sin separates you from God? Third, do you believe that Christ died on the cross for you? 1 Corinthians 15, 3, for I deliver to you, Paul says, of first importance was what I also received, that Christ, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Do you believe that Christ died for you? Fourth, do you believe that he rose from the dead? 1 Corinthians 15 continues in verse 4, and he said that, he, that Christ was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Do you believe that he physically rose from the dead? And the last is this. Do you believe that, that God will pay for your sin and give you new life? That Jesus will pay for your sin and give you new life if you put your faith and trust in him. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Brothers and sisters, I don't want us just to sit here and, and wonder if we truly believe and receive and have become a child of God. If you believe that you're sinful, do you believe that your sin separates from, you, from God, that you believe that Christ died, on the cross, that he rose again and that he paid for your sin and gave you new life and now you can grow up in all that Christ is. You are a child of God. And I hope and pray that you have made that decision. And if you're still wrestling through some questions, we would love here at Bethany to talk. We would love to resource you, do life with you, talk about the gospel and the implications of it in your life and in ours. 
I simply love this gospel message. Believe, receive, and become. I love that the author John doesn't wait for us to find out the good news. He doesn't wait for us to figure out the solution to all of this darkness. He focuses straight on Jesus, the Son of God who saves those who look to him in faith, who trust in him with their lives. And he he saves us, and then he grows us up into himself. So God wants us to be a witness to the life of Christ. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus, born into the world. We took a look at that, to give true light to a dark world. And God offers us an invitation for everyone to join the life of Christ. I remember the, uh, the John the Baptist in my life, the person who led me to Jesus, who pointed me to Jesus. And I share this a lot because it's, it's my story, how God chased and pursued after, after me. When I was 18 years old, I was listening to my dad preach like I did every single Sunday. And that specific Sunday, it wasn't a magical moment, but I recognized God working in my life. And it was in that moment, listening to my dad preach the gospel that I believed, I received, and I became a child of God. And it is that good news of Jesus that still sustains me and us today. I didn't move on to something else. I moved forward with someone else, Jesus. Jesus calls everybody. He says, come and follow me and I will make you. He'll make us into something new. And so as we close and just have been focusing in on the life of Christ here, let's just read Luke 2, 8 through 14, the story of of, uh of Jesus. Read with me. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you great news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your son Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for the hope that we have in him, that he is our hope, that he is our life, that he is our, our light, he is, he is everything. And so I pray during this Christmas season that we will, if we haven't come to faith in you, that we will come to faith in you. We will trust your son Jesus with our lives. Lord, and I pray that we will grow up into Christ, every area, every life, every, every moment of every day. Lord, that we will understand more and more about how good your gospel news is. So Lord, we love you. Be with us. We thank you so much that we can gather together and hear from your word. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.